Welcome back, everybody. It's Monday. We start a brand new week. An amazing night of fight Saturday. Dominic Sali. How are you doing, my friend? Recovering from a pretty insane night of fights, if I do say so. Um, Very good fights, as Noah mentioned. Chill day yesterday. Went, you know, straight from work right back home and right into the fight, so it was kind of a perfect storm there. And uh, we got a lot of takeaways to discuss. Uh, I'm curious, what are your kind of thoughts on this card, and how was your weekend, Noah? Well, I'll start by saying weekend was good. Um, Yeah, you know, obviously didn't have to work Saturday, so I was drinking a lot of beer. Um, So I I was feeling pretty good going into this card. Uh, As far as the fights themselves, I'm so happy for this card. I'm so proud of the guys and women on this card because they paid in full. Mm -hmm. They delivered, right? And a lot of people were saying a lot of things, not a lot of good things about this card going in. And truthfully, it was one of the few times where I went, I'm not going to take it, but I get it. So therefore, in a way, it was like, I understood. I was like, yeah, it's not the most stat card in the world. But kind of a thing that I like to hit a lot is I say that fights aren't made on paper. They're made in the octagon. That's, yep. that's, that's what really matters, right? It's not, you know, just because a guy like Conor McGregor or Jorge Masvidal or Nate Diaz isn't fighting doesn't mean that there won't be an amazing fight just like, just because those guys are fighting doesn't mean it will be amazing because they're fighting. Does yep. that make sense? 100%. So, like, this card from top to bottom I thought was fantastic, truthfully. And there's a lot of takeaways. And I think we're just going to go ahead and get into it because... No news. No news. But the news that we do have to talk about is directly... Related, yeah. <laughs> it directly weaves into a lot where we're going to discuss, especially with the main event. So we're just going to hold off until then. Yep. So we're just going to get straight into these fights. Um, A new thing we're wanting to start here is our prelim notables. And this is a tough card to start it on because the whole point is for me and Dom to each give one big takeaway from the prelims. Like who was the person, man or woman, that stood out from the prelims. It's a tough card to start because these prelims, prelims. yeah, I mean, they all really showed up. Uh, special shout-outs to people like Gabriel Green, Chris Gutierrez, and then Pollyanna Viana. They all had great wins, especially for, like, Gutierrez, Viana, and then, like, Viana with that armbar submission. Mm. Woo! She looked fantastic. Uh, my prelim, notable. It's got to be probably the biggest winner of the night outside of maybe the main event for Usman. There's some betters out there that made a shit ton of money off uh, of this. The, Anthony Hernandez. He was going up. We didn't talk. We didn't break down this fight. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of people excited about it. But they were mostly excited for Rodolfo Vieira, who is one of the most accomplished Accredi- yeah. or accredited uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the UFC. Was undefeated. Undefeated. Had looked fantastic. This was on Dana White. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Yeah, it was. And Anthony Hernandez has had kind of a mixed run of things. You know, his contender fight. Uh, he looked really good. He got a knockout in like 40 seconds. But then it got washed from the record books because he, he not popped. He, he got uh, tested positive for smoking weed. Yep. Um, since then, he basically won against Joe Young Park. But then he lost to Kevin Holland. So also lost to Marcus Perez, actually. Yep. So he was technically one and two if you don't count the Jordan Wright <laughs> knockout since it got washed. 
So he's had a kind of a mixed run of things, but he's been showing that he's a very exciting fighter. And this fight proved that this guy is... He might not have the uh, the the uh, awards to back up maybe his ability like Vieira. He shocked the world. He last shocked night. the world because not only did he get the win, he got a submission win, guillotine choke in the second round. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. What were the odds for it? I think like plus thirty thousand. <laughs> That's some crazy. It's literally ridiculous. Yeah, like if you bet a hundred bucks, you win thirty three hundred. Well, then 30. it'd be like a plus 3,000, maybe. Maybe it was plus 3,000 then. They showed 000. it on the screen. Because <laughs> 30,000 means if you bet 100 bucks, you're, you're winning 30,000. 30, yeah, and yeah. I was like, that seems a little high. Yeah. As you can tell, gambling <laughs> on sports is not legal in our state yet. Yeah. And, yeah. So, Anthony Hernandez getting a big win here. And um, he looked incredible. Vieira just gassed so quickly. Yeah, I've never seen a guy gas within the first five minutes quite like that last yeah, night. Yeah, that was, that was pretty rough. And it's a tough loss for him, but I want to focus on Hernandez, just what this means for him. He's 2-2 two and two now, technically. I'll even say 3-2 and two because, hey, look, that's never going to happen again because now you can smoke weed in the UFC and it's not a problem. So 3-2 and two in my eyes, but it was a win he needed to kind of get back on track and kind of keep moving forward. And I think in this middleweight division that – Obviously, he's got some a ways to go to get to like top fifteen. But what a win to kind of get back on track yeah, with awesome, someone man. who's so accomplished at a certain aspect as Vieira to beat him at their own game. That's yeah. the big part, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people thought Hernandez. I mean, Hernandez had like people weren't necessarily counting out Hernandez. It just looked like if the fight stood on the feet, yeah, he would have the advantage. But. He kind of... <laughs> Joe Rogan, like, lost his mind. Yeah. He was literally mind-blown on the broadcast. It was crazy. But just wanted to give him a shout-out. He is my prelim notable. I think he was probably my biggest winner of the night outside of Usman, which yeah. we'll talk about. But uh, who was your prelim notable? I got to go with Remember the Name, baby. Bilal Muhammad, mm. number 13 ranked uh, welterweight, dominated Diego Lima from start to finish. His striking was so crisp, on point. His pace that he set was impeccable. Had Diego against the fence for 15 straight minutes. The only thing Diego was landing was very good calf kicks, and Bilal was just eating them. Other than that, he was piecing Lima up. It was brutal beat down. And uh, put some respect on this man's name. This is a top 15 ranked guy that hardly ever gets talked about. He's won three in a row now, eight of his last nine. He's on an absolute tear. I think it was actually four in a row after last night. Uh, eight of his last nine, like I said, on an absolute tear right now. And he had the perfect call out after the fact as well. Who was it? Lee Jingliang. I like it. I hey, like it's only it. one spot ahead of him, but that's a barn burner of a fight <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah, it is, man. That is going to be an incredible fight. Uh, I would assume the UFC gives him what he wants. Lee Jingliang is not going to turn down that fight. That's fireworks. I love, I love it. it. Lever- I everything about it. Bilal looked so good last night. Yeah, awesome. So those are our prelim notables for UFC 258. Again, that was a, a awesome prelims from yeah. top to bottom. Not a bad fight on there. And that's why it's tough to kind of do a segment that limits us like that, but that's what happens sometimes. So our main card results, I'm just going to go from the bottom to the top, just go through the results. We opened our main card at middleweight. Julian Marquez, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the man on a mission. Yes. The come-from-behind submission win over Mackie Patolo or Coconut Bombs. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the best UFC nickname clash in the history of the company. (laughs) Yeah, so true. Uh, Julian was able to get the Anaconda choke, of all things, 
four minutes, 17 seconds of the third round, a fight he was losing. Yeah. Um, so incredible fight there. You move on to featherweight, Ricky Simone, Brian Kelleher bumped to the main card from the prelims, early prelims. Yeah. Ricky Simone sweeps the cards, 30-27 on yeah. all three judges' scorecards. That dude is on a tear right he now. He looked great. Then at middleweight again, Kelvin Gaslam with a huge bounce back with a decision win over Ian Heinish, 30-27, and then 29-28 on the other two judges' scorecards. Co-main event at women's flyweight, Alexa Grasso. What a fight. Jumps into what I would assume would be the top 10 with that with that victory over Macy Barber. Unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards in the main event. Oh, man. For the welterweight title of the world, Kamaro Usman getting the TKO over Gilbert Burns. 34 seconds into the third round. We back up to the first fight. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Fight of the night. Fight of the night. Mackie Patolo, Julian Marquez, Coconut Bombs versus Cuban Missile Crisis. So this is one of the fights that we had differed on in our in our prediction. Mm-hmm. I had went with Marquez. You had went with Patolo. And, and damn, mine was looking good. It was looking good, man. I was like, oh, no. Because Dom, you know, I, I keep track of these predictions we make. So, yep. like, in, a little, in my little Excel sheet. So um, <laughs> Dom's been pulling ahead of me the last couple weeks in our head-to-head predictions. But... Uh, so I was definitely pulling for Marquez. What's funny is one of the guys I was watching the fights with had put money on Patolo. So oh, it was like, so since we weren't watching it together, it was still nice to have that that guy that was yeah. really pulling for yeah. Patolo. And then when Marquez got that submission on, man, crazy. It was, I, was I, I was I was I was yelling and stuff. And no disrespect, but to Mackie Patolo, you looked great in here, and I know that's a tough loss to take. I mean, it was a great fight, really. Even though Patolo was a lot different than it, I thought. Patolo was winning the majority of the fight, but Marquez was definitely hanging in there. I mean, he was taking some big shots, mm-hmm. but he was kind of dishing back some big shots, and ultimately those big shots is what led to the submission finish. Yeah, the takeaway for me was that Mackie was uh, wrestling so heavy with rounds <laughs> yeah. one and two. We had never seen that from him before, and he was dominating. I mean, he looked very strong, very built guy. This guy, That guy played nose guard in football, by the way, really? in high school. Yeah. His legs are extra thick, and uh, he looked really good in the wrestling aspect. But again, all-round start on the feet. Yeah. The third round was really back and forth. He couldn't quite keep Julian down in that third round. And then uh, that's essentially when, once it was on the ground, Julian was able to lock that up. And Anaconda choke, you don't see them too often. You don't. That was, it, that was funky. And especially because you got to see the grimace on the camera, mm-hmm. man. Patola looked like he was hurting there. There's something about just those come-from-behind wins. I mean, this was literally, what, 43 seconds away from Patolo getting a win. Yeah. But shout-out Julian Marquez. We forgot to mention this on the preview. 31-month layoff. Yeah. And I'm still not sure when we talked about him on the podcast, but I remember the nickname. Yeah, exactly, right? Must have been a fight that got canceled that we had previewed or something. That happens all the time. And then I I have to mention his post-fight interview because give this man Miley Cyrus... That's his Valentine's Day. That's his Valentine. Hey, she responded. She responded. She said, shave MC into your chest hair, and I'm all yours. Happy I have Valentine's a feeling he's going to shave Happy MC. B-Day, my love. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, she followed him on uh, Twitter and everything. So how about that? UFC just partnering with Miley Cyrus. Who would have I wouldn't say they're partnering with her. I would just say my man Marquez shot a shot. He made it. Apparently, he made it. Yeah. So, awesome fight. I mean, it, it was incredible and totally fight of the night. And we kind of thought that could be the case. Yeah. 
And, I mean, it was up against stiff competition, as we're going to get into. Some of these fights were awesome. But, yeah, what a, what a win for him. Perfectly said. Moving on to the second fight, featherweight. Ricky Simone, baby. Yeah, and I guess we can start by talking about, originally, we had Bobby Green versus Jim Miller. Bobby Green makes weight, leaves, collapses backstage. Yep. Rushed to the hospital. So, hopefully, Bobby Green makes a speedy recovery. It's always dangerous with those weight cuts, man. Mm-hmm. There's definitely going to be some, I think, some changes you'll see in the next, the upcoming years as, uh, you know, like 1FC is a good example. They start doing hydration tests after a fighter had died cutting weight for their promotion. So um, we don't want to see that be the catalyst in the UFC to make them change some of their weight cutting procedures. Um, I know a lot of guys, fighters in particular, have different feelings about it. You know, I'm not someone who wrestled in high school. Mm-hmm. I've never fought as an amateur or professional, whatever. So, therefore, like, I don't know the process. I mean, I know how grueling grueling is. I remember seeing even guys wrestling in high school and kind of the little that they would eat Mm -hmm. per day. It was crazy. But because of that, I just, I don't want to see someone get severely hurt or possibly die from this. So, uh, just hopefully to keep it focused here, Bobby Green... Get well soon, my yes. man. Hopefully they can just do that fight. Yeah. I'd love to see that fight. Tough for Jim Miller not to, to be ready I to I did fight. see somewhere they said within the next two to three weeks they're going to try and get Jim Miller lined up with someone. Okay. So that's, that's a good. good thing. Yeah. So then because of that, we had another shakeup in the card. Ricky Simone, Brian Kelleher originally on the early prelims. Which won. was mind-blowing to me. They get bumped all the way to the main card here, second fight of the main card. Yeah. And deservedly so. Mm-hmm. And they had a great fight. I mean, Ricky Simone, I think, just was on another level. His pace and wrestling yeah. is off the chart. Kelleher could just never truly get comfortable and really even begin to implement a game plan because Simone was just too overwhelming the whole time. He's so aggressive and just the pace that he sets from start to finish, he's he's well prepared for five rounds yeah. down the line if he ever makes it to uh, championship bouts. And uh, he showed it last night. Kelleher had no answers. Brutal ground and pound. He even looked good on the feet because yeah. Kelleher brings the boom. That's why. Well, that's that his so that that's what I was so surprised about is because Kelleher is known for just landing some bombs. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised that Ricky was so aggressive. It was kind of like Khabib against Gaethje, where yeah. I'm like, "Whoa, like you might want to slow down there." Like he just kept going, and uh, Simone had no fear, and Kelleher just couldn't quite really get comfortable in there, and. Uh, yeah, Simone had a great win there, 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Did you have any other takeaways from this fight? Yeah, so both these guys are natural bantamweights, but this fight came together on like two weeks' notice because Simone just fought a few weeks ago at Fight Island. So that's why this was at featherweight. Um, I'm going to be honest, I would like to see Simone fight someone with a number. The problem is the closest guy with a number is Casey Kenny, and he's fighting Dominic Cruz next. Um, Ricky Simone really is an elite-level wrestler, and I can't wait to see him get tested, especially with a guy with at least close grappling, just to see if it can be equaled out and how he can handle on the feet if he doesn't have it his way. Uh, if he can't get a guy with a number, I truly believe he's one fight away, and uh, you kind of have to give it to him next. And uh, Well, it seems like he's going to... It looks like this might be a year for him to be trying to stay super active. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just saw him take a fight on just... Yeah, he's literally 2-0 and already, and it's yeah. halfway through February. So... You saw with Kevin Holland, Hamzat Chemaev, Bobby Green, a lot of these guys that stayed really active in 2020. This might be a year for, for our boy, um, 
Ricky Simmons. Ricky Simmons. <laughs> I don't know why I just blanked. And for, for Kelleher, Rick- he's still right there on the cusp of the top fifteen as well. He's always yeah. been there. He's he's always been on and the cusp. And he can't crack yeah. in. So he's kind of a good test right now, anyways. Unless he proves me otherwise, he's kind of a good test for these guys that are rising. Mm-hmm. So if you beat Brian Kelleher, maybe that's like the the gate the gateway. Yeah. <laughs> to get to that top fifteen. However, the closest number. That doesn't have a fight right now is number twelve, Marav Valishvili. Not quite saying. I don't know if that's that's that might be too much too soon, especially if Simone wants to stay active. Him and Stamen, Stamen's fight just fell out with Yule. That would be fire. Oh, right. Yeah. Um. But Marav and Cody want to fight. But... I think maybe maybe I just think that uh, Ricky needs one more. I don't know. I especially this fight being at featherweight. Yeah. I, I'd like to see him get one more at bantamweight, and then yeah. that way you get top fifteen because then a lot of these matchups will be done that are lined up like Kenny Cruz and Song Dong's fighting. So I, I definitely think that he's very close. I just might want to see one more for him and then you talk top 15 because mm-hmm. if he's trying to stay as active as he's shown so far, that shouldn't be a problem. Oh, yeah. And, and truthfully, you know, as we get into the next fight, he had one of the best performances all around of the entire card. He looked mm-hmm. great last night. True. Moving on to the third fight. I was very happy about this one. This was, be honest. This was big. Kelvin Gastelum, who <laughs> must win, literally was fighting for a belt two years ago, and in one of the best fights of all time with Israel Adesanya, the closest guy to ever really beat Adesanya, had lost two more fights after that since. Yeah, three fight losing streak. Coming into Saturday night at UFC 258, he had not <laughs> won a fight since May of 2019. Whew. That's hard to imagine with a guy like Kelvin, who's really been there and done that with everybody in this division. Yeah, so he gets matched up with Ian Heinish, uh, right? Who's been another guy who's hung around that ten to fifteen range. He was number fifteen coming in here. Always a tough opponent, just never could quite get over that hump to that top ten level, and that kind of remains to be the case here. Yep. I and mean, this was really Kelvin's fight from start to finish. Yeah, I that thought. fight to me showed that. Although Ian is a a great wrestler and has decent striking, he wasn't ready for that big of a leap just yet. It, and Kelvin it, really looked great. It felt like Kelvin dictated everything. Though. Yeah, it was all Kelvin. And, and I'm not saying that Ian didn't have his moments. He it, he took a round. However, at least two of the three judges say so. Yeah. However, it just felt like Ian was always responding to what Kelvin was doing. It was like playing defense the whole time and... When you do that against a guy like Kelvin, who's very solid everywhere, it's just not a good recipe to just be constantly waiting for him to what him to initiate. And we know? saw more wrestling and grappling out of Kelvin last night than we've yeah. seen in all of his career in the UFC, well, which was I've, very Well, I've had this mindset for a while that Kelvin's grappling is very underrated, I think. Yeah, that's I very think, true. I think the Darren Till fight wasn't a great example of that because um, he, he was going for some lazy shoots in that fight but a very accomplished wrestler though in the past yeah and i mean his fight without asanya one of the reasons why he was so successful in that fight was because he was threatening with the takedown yeah and then able to land some good shots and he did that really well in this fight except he was actually going for the takedowns a lot more so if he can continue to kind of mix things up like that i really like his longevity in this division as he looks to keep bouncing back here because that was my biggest concern. He has kind of in his last few fights been very one note, very predictable. Even he was even mixing up his striking a little bit, like not being just all about the left hand mm-hmm. or the right kick, just switching things up. 
Ian Heinish just, it looked like he no wasn't, yeah, just no answers. And sometimes yeah, I, that's the way it goes. I think Kelvin's personal best in the UFC coming into this was three takedowns. And that was like one of his very first UFC fights. Last night he had like five or six. Really? With a lot of control time and just, like you said, dictated <laughs> the entire fight from start to finish. He needed a performance like that where he could just come in and pitch essentially a shutout, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what he did. He needed that win very much. And I'm excited to see what's next for Kelvin, man. So... As far as who is his next opponent, you know, there's there's some good options. And Ian Heinrich was 15. I'm not quite sure I give Kelvin someone ahead of him right now. Ahead of where Kelvin is, I should say, who's uh, still ninth. There's a couple of them. I'm going to go with... Edmund. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Edmund Shabazian. Yeah, I like that a lot. Still waiting to hear about Edmund, you know, since yeah, that loss. So I, I, based off of where things are lining up, I was actually going to say Chris Weidman, but they fought before Weidman won that fight. I wouldn't mind seeing it ran back because it seems that now that Gaslam's won, it seems like they're kind of going in opposite directions right now. But there's some good ones on there, but I'll say Edmund Shabazian. Yeah, That's a great I, I fight. I like that a lot. It's a great fight. And That's a really good test for Kelvin to make sure, okay, he really is back. And for Edmund, coming off the devastating loss to Bronson. I, I think my only concern, ah, man, I don't know. I think my only concern is that Edmund did, his last fight was a loss to Derek Brunson, so I feel like he might need some more tooling with people below him mm-hmm. or even outside the top 15. Because then you give him Kelvin, who's so such a veteran and yeah. very accomplished, I, I worry that another loss, what that can do to stagnate his career you know, a fun fight would. I'll give. I'll give one second option then, since we both picked the same guy. Tavares is coming off a great win. Yeah, Brad Tavares. That would be kind of. I'll, that'd be you a know fun what? striking That's my match. one. I want to go with. I want to go with Gastelum versus Tavares. Both guys coming off of a losing streak. Both just got a win. Yeah, it makes sense. They're both ranked. They haven't fought before. Actually, if it That's wasn't if it wasn't for the fact that he's fighting Brunson, I'd love Kevin Holland yeah, too. Yeah, but I think we both just agree, Brad Tavares. Unless you I want think to that's say a Shabazian. really fun stand-up fight. I agree. And then on the reverse end, Heinish probably just going to be fighting someone outside the rankings, I would say. Yeah, I would imagine so. He's still right there, right? He's oh, right yeah. on the cusp. I mean, he's been that way but for a while. But it just showed that he wasn't ready yet. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Just not yet. Yeah. Nothing to hang your head, yeah. head about. I mean, Kelvin's so accomplished. Oh, so. yeah, man. He doesn't get... Really, Kelvin's... Semi underrated, still kind of, you know. I mean, well, he was being counted out, and I can't say it wasn't for bad reasons. Oh yeah, I mean, sure. I had doubts in my head. It was a lot of wanting to see that, you know, that Kelvin that I that I Kelvin just, of old, the one that rose to mm-hmm. the top, you know, and and I think I did see a lot of that Saturday, yeah. so I'm happy about that. But Ian was definitely being looked at as like a favorite almost going into that fight, so. Who knows? Move on to the main or co-main event. Excuse me. This was a great fight. Women's flyweight Alexa Grasso getting the win over Macy Barber, and I'm gonna start by saying I was shocked going in. I didn't know Grasso was the favorite. Yeah, very that, slight. That was very surprising. I will agree. It was a very slight favorite, but still, you know, Macy just having so much hype around her, and I know that she's coming off a loss and a year layoff with the ACL injury, but. I looked at this as an underdog win, honestly. Like, I really thought, you know, Grasso's had a very mixed run. She's very popular. I know she looked really good in her debut in the division, but it was against a lower-level fighter. She gets paired up with number 10, Macy Barber, and she still looked incredible. Yeah, she... And you know what? 
Grasso is improving fight by fight significantly. Significantly, man. She's only 27 years old. Used to be looked at as just a boxer. And granted, that is still what she is at heart. She's an incredible distance range boxer and striker. But when this fight went to the ground, she damn near had Macy locked up in a rear naked choke and an arm bar. Mm-hmm. She is improving on the ground so much so that she can at least hold her own. Because in my preview with Overtime Heroics and on Friday when we previewed the fight on the podcast, that was where I figured maybe Macy should be a little more aggressive than usual and try and get more takedowns. And in the clinch where Macy kicks everybody's ass, Grosso held her own and showed yeah. how strong she was. Because if you looked at him lined up, Macy looked very lean and very mm. strong. But Grosso may not look the same build-wise. She's got strength in her legs and upper body, yeah, she man. Does. she does. She has some strength that you don't really see coming because she is one of the smaller fighters in this division. You yeah, know? She, I have been so impressed with her. 2-0 and now at flyweight. And, man, this really is someone who down the line could contend for a title. I said this for both of them. And with that performance... She looked great, mm-hmm. very well-rounded. When I say she's improving fight by fight, you go watch these fights she's having. It's nothing but the truth, and I'm excited, man. I really think she could be something, especially for representing Mexico like the mm-hmm. Yair Rodriguez's of the UFC. Or Brandon Moreno. Yeah, yeah. Especially nowadays, <laughs> yeah. I'd compare her yeah. more to Brandon. So Alexa Grasso, with that win, she's about to be top ten. What's next for Jessica I. I was going to say the same thing. I think you give her a seasoned vet. I know Jessica's coming off of a loss, but she's been up there to fight for a title. She's got good wins over girls in this division. I think it's a good test with a really good striker mm-hmm. who is good on the ground as well, at least wrestling and grapple-wise, and a seasoned vet. Plus, she's ranked eighth. I think that's a good matchup for Alexa Grasso. Now, what about Macy Barber? I'll start. I would do number 14, Antonina Shevchenko. You bastard. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, too. Was it really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just looking at where Macy's at right now. She's still only 22, one of the youngest fighters in the entire UFC. Yeah, man. But she's now she's already, you know, she's just going to be right outside the top 10. She's fought some very high-level fighters, won some. Now she's lost a couple in a row. She kind of needs to take a step back. Mm Mm-hmm. We thought Grasso would be that step back, but Grasso, I think, proved in even the fight before this with Gian Kim how much how far she's came, and that fifteen was a bit more so just because she was had to kind of get that fight. It was more about getting the fight to show that she's actually top ten level talent. Yeah, uh, Antonina is someone who at times has looked really good. That that last fight she had against Lipsky, holy yeah, shit. She looked great. Whew. But then you've seen her in other fights, mm-hmm. you know, like the one with Chukagian. I know Chukagian's very up there, but I'm just saying. Where she doesn't look very good. Um, so they're kind of, you know, Anthony's kind of in this awkward spot where she's kind of, you know, coming off a big win, but she's already 35, 36. Macy's the much younger fighter, but... That's a, that's a tough fight for Macy with a, a veteran fight, like that. It's a tough fight. A tough fight for... Antonina is a veteran in age, but I wouldn't necessarily say she is in the experience. They're both still... They have the same amount of fights. Antonina has one more fight than Macy. Yeah, so that's what I'm MMA saying. MMA-wise. And Antonina, I think, just gives a lot of uh, a lot of looks to Macy on the feet, and I'd just like to see how she responds to that. And fun little tidbit I actually saw on Twitter. Caitlin Chukagian actually said she would like to fight Grasso, which I thought was... 
Hmm. Interesting, being that she's all the way up at number two. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Caitlin Chikagian's a dog. So. She is. You know, I appreciate it, but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> right. But, man, I'm telling you right now, Alexa Grasso. Just wait. Just wait. Keep watching her. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. She performed so well and really proved a lot of people wrong. Like, again, she was the betting favorite, but I think a lot of people going into this were really looking for Macy to bounce back big, including... Us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Shout out to Alexa Grasso. Yeah. Moving on to the main event of the evening. Holy. I think there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, Kamaru Usman getting a TK over Gilbert Burns. People. Put some respect on his If name. you have been disrespectful enough to slander Kamaru's name due to maybe his fight style, his fights with Masvidal in particular, or... Um, Tyron Woodley, or before that with like Damian Maya, RDA, whoever. You can't you can't call this man a boring fighter anymore. Hey, people, three title defenses now, two of them via TKO. Yeah, and everybody thought this guy was the wrestler, right? Marty from Nebraska, as like Ben Askren kind yeah. of coined. Yeah. He's jab. showing he can do it on the feet. He'll jab your fucking nose through your head. It's so it's so reminiscent of GSP. Remember GSP when he fought Josh Koscheck for a second time. And he just, over and over again, just jabbed his face. Literally, Koscheck had no answer. Just jabbed him, jabbed him, jabbed him. Koscheck's face looked like it had been beaten to a pulp by jabs. The, the most simplest punch you can throw. Yeah, I was trying to think of in recent memory when a jab had been so prominent in a fight, especially a title fight, and I couldn't think of it. So the fact that you even mentioned that GSP mm-hmm. might be the only one that's coming to mind right now. Says a lot. Saying a lot about Kamaru. just beat. GSP's record. record for most consecutive wins in the welterweight division. He now has 13 in yeah. a row. But it didn't come easy. No, it did not. Round one especially, Gilbert Burns dropped Usman. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. Right around a minute into the fight. Uh, he was when hurt. When that happened, he was hurt. When that happened, I went, oh, no. Because <laughs> I knew that there was a chance. But I was like, there, if, if, if Kamaru gets finished that early, yeah. then it's going to be another example of me looking stupid. And I couldn't have that. It's all part of being part of the public yeah, eye no, now. No, no, I'm just kidding. But Gilbert dropping him that early just showed... The like, power in his Immediately, it, it wasn't even as much the power as the speed. Like Usman, so fast. And Usman, to his credit, completely adjusted once he was able to get his wits about him. Yeah, I loved the corner work going in yeah. between rounds one and two. Trevor Whitman, ladies and gentlemen... He's one of the best coaches in the game right now. And if we're talking striking, he might be the best coach in the game. He told Kamaru, patient, regain, essentially, you know, start with the jab. Yeah. Oh, did he ever in round number two. <laughs> I've ne- I'm, Like I said, I jab like that last night is something I have not seen hardly ever in the UFC being so prominent. He dropped Burns twice with a jab. In the third round, that's how he finished the fight, was mm-hmm. by dropping him with a jab. Unbelievable stuff. The it's adjustments were spot on. All credit to Kamaru's power. We know he's capable of that power. He was the bigger guy coming in here. Mm-hmm. Gilbert's speed was still on display early in round one. That's where I'm just going to start at. Immediately, kind of going the way I thought, Kamaru trying to close that distance. And actually, Gilbert was kind of he was doing what we had heard going in, where he was going to try to get Usman off his back foot. Or, like, kind of on his bike, like, mm-hmm. going backwards. And that was working out for him. It was just like how he did against Tyron. He was putting Usman, to, kind of getting Usman to back to the fence. And then he was able to drop him. And I was like, oh, man. 
In the rest of round one, I mean, it kind of, Kamara was able to kind of bounce back, but I mean, it was Gilbert's round. Mm-hmm. Like you said, mid-fight adjustments, Whitman. Kamara comes out in round two, great round out of him. And round three, I mean, honestly, I, th- I thought coming in round three, it was anybody's fight. Both guys had been dropped, right? Yeah. Both of those weren't in the third round, correct? No, no, no. Uh, Kamaru dropped Gilbert in the second. So, you, both guys have been dropped. I was like, okay, it was one we have one. like an even fight, yeah. you know? And then, right seconds. away, yeah. just unload. Like, I mean, it's just a jab, but yeah. then unloads with some ground and pound, and Gilbert couldn't even no. muster up a defense, really, and it was all over. It ended so abruptly, in a way, but it was a very good uh, stoppage and everything. Usman is not Freaking savage. And credit to Burns. It was a great showing. I and know great it's disappointing. Seeing them embrace after the fight and just really yeah. the respect that was showed there again. Former training partners, hours and hours and hours of time spent sparring with one another. They knew each other like the palm of their hand, the back of their hand, whatever the saying is. Yeah. And so to see that afterward was really great, and it really showed you what all uh, what MMA is all about, I should say. Mm-hmm. Now, as for what's next for the challenger in this matchup, Gilbert Burns, I'm trying to keep my matchups realistic to what's going on. So, like, who's... Because I really think Gilbert could come back in a few months. Yeah, just give him a couple yeah. months. I think he'll be okay. So, I... I'm definitely going to go with the one guy kind of in this top five who doesn't appear to have a matchup right now. We're agreeing again. And that is uh, Steven Thompson. Yeah, that's a... That is an interesting Mm -hmm. fight for sure. Oh, yeah. Very excited about the potential for that one. And I I think uh, we'll do Kamaru, and then we'll talk more about this division. Yeah, so Kamaru's just a coin flip. (laughs) <laughs> a three-headed coin. So it's going to be, but it appears, it's going to be Masvidal for the second time. Yeah. Is that necessarily what I would pick? No. No. But I do understand not even the financial side of it, just why Usman would want that fight. Masvidal took the first fight on six days' notice. Usman dominated, but then it was like he dominated, but did he, he won the fight, but he didn't really win over anybody with the performance and whatnot. Usman says, you've been talking shit, saying that if you had just a couple weeks to train, like, what you would have been able to do. So I want him to get a full camp. So it's kind of like he feels like he still has to prove something to himself. He said he's going to finish him. Yeah. So I'd I'd be very interested in it, and especially when you put the you factor in that there's potential for... Uh, ultimate com- fighter. The ultimate fighter coaches, as uh, Kamaru's camp has been pushing for now. You know, it looked like for a while you would be getting Colby Masvidal. Well, now Dana's trying to get Colby versus Leon Edwards. Yeah. Here's kind of where we're talking about the rest of the division. So the it appears that we're kind of being matched up here where Kamara's probably going to be defending against Masvidal sometime towards the end of summer, I would say, or September, because yeah. whatever the ultimate fighter. It depends. If they do that, it's it'll probably be early fall. Yeah, so then... Colby versus Edwards might be happening in just a couple weeks. As soon as next month, yeah. <laughs> so after that, you got Stephen Thompson at number five, and then Gilbert Burns at number one. That's a girl. So I think you pair those two, and I think that's that's the way you do it. Unless you want, I mean, Kiesa's right there at number six, but I don't know. I I think that 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 lines up well. You got those top five guys in the champion. I think that they match up pretty well based off what those guys want to do and what makes sense. 
Love the idea of Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson, though. That's an incredible fight, man. Yeah. Man, Kamaru Usman. <laughs> this dude is on track to really... Well, let me, let me pose a question. Okay. So, um, I was very impressed. I've said Kamaru, dominant. However, mm-hmm. I want to pose... I don't even know if it's really a question, but I want to get your thoughts. Little devil's advocate? Yeah, little devil's advocate. Kamaru has at least shown a vulnerability in every title defense. With Colby, whether you thought he was losing or winning the fight or not... He was getting hit. He was. I mean, he was... It was very close. And I know, again, finished the fight. That's all that matters. That's probably one of the closest fights ever. I personally had Colby winning, but I get it. Like Dana said, that Colby only got one round, so it's obvious that you could score that fight a lot of different ways. Fight with Masvidal, you most of you might go, well, he didn't show any vulnerability there. For a couple that seconds. First, <laughs> yeah, it's not much, but for that first minute or so when it was on the feet. Jorge's one, body kicks in that one. Jorge really was brutal. throwing some power shots mm-hmm. with the body kicks, and Kamaru looked definitely a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So it just kind of makes me wonder, I wonder what would happen if, you know. Yeah, that one is the only one that was like, oh, six days notice for both guys. That could be yeah. the, like, one outlier, yeah. but. We're just saying. Yeah, so it's definitely nitpicky in a way, but I'm just saying it made me wonder if Masvidal does have a full camp, you know, could that be something we see more of? Mm-hmm. And then this fight with Burns, he gets dropped early round one. He was being hit a lot in the first round. Definitely lost the first round before the mid-fight adjustments and coming back in a big way. So I guess, uh, like some of our friends, a lot of people were saying, oh, I don't see anybody beating Usman. But truthfully, like, I don't necessarily see Usman yet on the level of someone like even Adesanya. I know Adesanya had that war with Kelvin, mm-hmm. but look at what he's done since then. The way he beat Robert Whitaker. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at the point where I feel very confident picking Usman in any fight he has. But in the back of my head, always thinking, okay, he could get caught. Yep. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Or, you know, he could get bested on the feet, so he's going to have to wrestle to win. However, I don't think I'm going to go into a fight with Usman now picking him to lose. Yeah. Not that I picked him to lose this well, one, but you know what I mean? It doesn't help that the majority of the matchups for him at this point are rematches. Literally, any of his next three opponents, unless they were to do him and Wonderboy, are all rematches. He's yeah. fought Leon. That's the last time Leon has ever lost. Yeah, He's fought... Colby, obviously, and he's fought Masvidal. And then if Gilbert Burns gets another one, yeah, would be a rematch too. Rematch. Yeah. So you would imagine Kamaru seeing him a second time, <laughs> you would still think he has the advantage, right? Yeah. So um, it's really interesting. I, I I just saw a lot of the talk now is that Usman is so dominant that like he won't be beat. That the only guy that could beat him is you know Habib if he went up, or I saw Adesanya if he goes down. Like what you know just. Uh, people just talking right but, yeah um we'll keep it just, real i'm i'm just not i'm not quite there with usman yet is he dominant yes am i am i like do i really like him as champion yes i'm not someone who dislikes him because of the masvidal fight i'm just saying that i noticed these vulnerabilities and i think it could lead down the line to he he definitely has the potential to be someone who will get caught and i know that can happen to anybody but i guess when I was watching Anderson Silva or GSP and these or Habib or Habib, I never saw those vulnerabilities. Habib's a great example. Yeah, especially for recency. 
Habib, and, and I know these are three of the top fighters of all time I'm mentioning, so, like, it's a lot of to put on someone like Usman. But that's what, you know, Usman's trying to chase that, though, so it's good to, yeah. you know, compare. Yeah. So, for Habib, you never saw him look vulnerable. I mean, he didn't even lose a round until the Conor fight, apparently, so. Yeah. I'm just saying that. Gaethje, he just ate shots and just kept going. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So, it's, uh, it just puts me in this weird little thing where it's like, Kind of like how you how you put it was very well put. That I we're, feel comfortable enough to pick. We're going to pick him to win, but yeah. but it's always going to like this fight. It was in the back of my head, but then just because he won didn't answer a lot of mm-hmm. my. If anything, it just tells me tells me that in order to beat Usman, I feel you got to get him out of there early. Because his mid fight adjustments are incredible, especially yeah, if he night. continues with Whitman. I've never seen someone get so badly hurt in the first round, and then. Here after that, you just never even knew it happened. I mean, you look at the Kobe fight. You look at even the Masvidal fight. And then this one. The way he starts a fight is never the way he finishes the fight. Yeah, he'll recognize the issue, adjust, and then it's all Kamara. And not not everybody has that ability or has the people around them in their corner to give them those adjustments, but he does. And not only, I mean, the fact that he this was his first fight with Whitman. I think a lot of it has to be credited to Kamaru himself. I think he's just a, got a high IQ. He's fighter. a dog, man. And you pair that, that mental strength. You that pair he has. that high IQ with the talent he has, and I think it's a very dangerous recipe. He's to, a freak athlete. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he definitely has the capabilities to make a very long, sustained run. Yeah. He, I mean, he's already made a pretty long run. Literally, but, already three title defenses. Uh, and I wouldn't say I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I'm just saying. Don't say I didn't tell you so if yeah. someone catches him in the next year. I'll even put it that way. In his next couple title defenses, someone might just catch him, and it might be done. I'm just saying. And, you know, I want to say I said this in the group text before the pay-per-view last week, but this is a guy that at one point had a lot of hatred, especially from Dana White, after the 30% comments yeah. and just the boring Label well, give, con- with him. give context just for anybody who doesn't remember that. Uh, which fight was it where he specifically said that, though? <laughs> it was the one before... He was fighting that Viking-looking guy. Yeah. Ew. It, it's not important. So, it was the one fight he had before Damian Maya. Yeah. Um, and he had said how he was kind of just going 30%. And well, it, he dominated the fight, yeah. but it was a very boring fight. Lackluster, and people were booing, and then Dana was really pissed off after the fact. Because his comment was... I was only at 30%. And Dana's like, well, why are you only giving me 30%? Yes, and even though I'm sure Kamara meant... He meant it in a different way. Like, health-wise... He felt like he was at 30%, yeah. But Dana took it as he was only giving 30%. Giving 30%, at, exactly. Yeah. So, since then, by the way, Kamaru has went on to not only become the champion, but headline three pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So. And people thought, and who knows what the numbers will be from this pay-per-view. I don't imagine it was a high seller for the UFC. Just... He's got a country behind him. That's right. what's good. But, him and uh, Izzy. And... But I'm just saying that moving forward, I, I don't think you're going to see him be the co-main for pretty much any pay-per-view I, moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I, I think he will main event nearly every pay-per-view he'll be a part of unless there's like a heavyweight or light heavyweight ahead of him. Yeah. And, and even, even then, he still could, depending on the matchup. Well, even what I would say is like, if that, I, I couldn't imagine that happening because I feel like he's proven himself to be worthwhile to give his own like, pay-per-view build team. a card around me yeah yeah so that's this pretty, man's here to stay i i agree i think and even if i'm saying what i'm saying about maybe showing there's like these slight things i'm noticing 
We could do that about everybody. You really could. Except for Habib. It feels nitpicky, but like... Again, We're with realists. Habib, with Habib, I literally never... I was like, there's. I just never saw that man losing because it just... And then yeah. Anderson Silva, GSP, it was like, I never felt like they could lose. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Well, and I'm starting to hear people talk about Usman like that after Saturday night, so I'm just yeah. trying to like ground everybody. So that way, if Usman gets finished by Masvidal or if he wins that and loses to Covington or whoever, that people aren't just like so shocked. And yeah. yeah. I'm like, you know, just the guy's amazing. He's the best in the world at welterweight. One of the best. One of the best pound for pound. Yeah. But I don't think he's such a high level above the, his competition yet. Like I don't think, and that, that also just goes to credit his division. I think right his now. division still his has division a lot of stacked. contenders, even with these rematches. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Is yeah. that I don't think he's. It doesn't feel like he's so high above his competition. Like I feel like his competition's still right there, just grabbing for it. But mm-hmm. he's just able to kind of stay above him for now. That's all I'm saying. But that is our. Result and recap for UFC 258, an amazing night of fights. A lot of takeaways. <laughs> Top to bottom, this card really did deliver. Yeah, and I'm very happy it did because there was a lot of slander about it. Going and we weren't on. letting that happen. Yeah. I said, well. I, we tell you so. I said, I'm not going to tell you, but I get it, you know. But that's why you don't do that because look at how they delivered. And the next pay per view, I am not. Physically or mentally ready to do. So, good thing we have about... Well, actually, it's less than a month. So, yeah, I'm not ready. Anyway. uh, As for the rest of the week, no Wednesday episode. But Friday, we got our preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 19. Headlined by the rebooking of our heavyweight bout. Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. Oh, yeah, baby. Six-fight main card. We love those. Mm -hmm. So, we'll be breaking down those fights on Friday. And, yeah, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. On Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesel 14 Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with our social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram the YouTube channel, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for our Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message, something we really want to hit hard in 2021. If you have a thought or an opinion about an upcoming fight, a fight that already happened, if you just want to come and say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit or talk about a news story, whatever you want to do, you got 60 seconds. Let do us it know. there. Yeah. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So, again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see you all on Friday.